We're losing a little bit of your head, though. In the oh, green screen. My hair is too comb. I don't know what it is. That's better. Welcome back to This Week in No Code. I'm your host, JJ Englert, here with my co-host, David Pal, and we have another slate of full programming for you guys today for This Week in No Code. Starting off in our news section, we're going to talk about a no-code exit that just happened with a company called Swapstack HQ. We'll move on to ChatGPT and all the latest things that are happening with ChatGPT, <laughs> as it is a lot. We'll talk about Honeycone shutting down, and then we'll talk about some additional no-code tools Finally, we'll also bring on uh, one of the community folks over at Glide, Andy. He's going to talk to us about Glide's new AI feature, along with the new abilities to connect to APIs and much more just general things about Glide. And then we'll finish it up with some community segments uh, to finish off the second episode of This Week in No Code. So let me pass it over to my co-host, David Pal to start us off with our news breakdown. Hello, No Coders. Welcome back. I am very excited to announce this first new segment, the acquisition of Swapstack by Beehive. Really exciting. I've known Jake for a while, built on Bubble. Uh, yeah, got to work with him and Kelly, both Jakes, great guys. They've been building this company for a long time. They have monetized $2 million of advertising through their newsletters. This seems like a slam dunk acquisition for Beehive, being able to now insert advertising, you know, acquiring this ad tech stack and all of these relationships with advertisers and publishers to help expand their user bases, revenue streams. Good for them. Really exciting. It's always good to see friends get exits. We are very excited that it was built on no code shows, you know, hey, this this can be done. Um, really excited to see you, you know, what comes next. It looks like in the press release, they've got some big ideas. So excited to follow this along. Yeah. Ditto to that. We've been building alongside the, the Jakes, the co-founder CEOs <laughs> in the last several years, right? We were part of the, they're in our community. So when they raised their initial seed funding, we were stoked for them. They brought on more of our bubble community members. We were stoked for them and now they have an exit. So super exciting to see them take an idea to exit all on bubble and no code. And it's not the first, right? You have sold a, a company that was half built on no code. I have built, sell, sold a company that was yep. built entirely on no code. There's a lot of companies being sold on no code uh, on microacquire or acquire.com now. You know, I, I talked to Andrew, the CEO over there a lot, and no code is one of the leading tech plat platforms behind all of the acquisitions that are happening on yep. acquire. It's, it's a major force there, I would say. And so, they're continually seeing that no code companies are getting acquired and you just love to see it, right? You just love to see the success yep. in there. It's a good validation and it's not just any one tool, but I would say that Bubble's probably the majority of the no code tools that are seeing exits in this space just right. from observation. Yeah. And I think there are probably many more businesses that are being sold that use no code, maybe not as their primary offering, maybe not the thing they're selling to customers, but they're using it internally for automation, for tracking. You know, if you want to loop in Zapier and, and Airtable, you know, into the mix, you know, lots of companies are using these tools, even if that's not the customer facing product they're selling. So, you know, no code for the win. 
then let's take it over to the chat GPT side of things because it's been another week, which means there's been another week of updates, meaning that chat GPT can now see, hear, and speak. And then also it can browse the internet natively using their Bing integration with Microsoft, which now means that ChatGPT data, which was once limited to before September 2021, is now reading data of the current internet and can cite those sources and more. So a really big week for ChatGPT. Yeah, you probably saw the video going around of you took a picture of a bike and then you asked, how can I raise the seat in the bike? And then based on that picture, ChatGPT was able to tell you the instructions of how to do such. And then even you were able to send a picture of your toolbox and it was able to show you where in your toolbox the tool is to change the mm -hmm. seat on your bike, which was really just crazy. And now they're getting the voice capabilities, which allows you to have a text-to-speak model, but also have a voice capability where you could have, you know, a kind of talking for you, listening to you, generating human-like audio. And then, of course, they have OpenAI's Whisper, which then is an open-source speech recognition system used to describe the spoken words into text. So they're really kind of going after the entire stack. And this is totally speculation on my part, but it feels like they're getting ready for robots. You know, see, uh, hear, talk, think. Like, it feels like the operating system behind robots. I don't, I don't know if it's robots or not, but they, there have been some rumors swirling that Johnny Ivey from Apple, the design guru from Apple, who worked on the iPhone and, and lots of their hardware projects, has been talking to Sam about a hardware project. So there's, there's probably something in the works. I could easily see some interesting glasses or goggles or, you know, in the meantime, it's all robots come out. Yeah. That is basically following you along, just like rewind AI, you know, the iPhone tool sees yeah. everything you're doing, catalogs it, and it's basically a perfect memory for you. It will be really interesting to see uh, how this all, all plays out. It's changing fast. Not to go off too big of a tangent here, but the mayor of New York City was introducing robots to like robocops into their subways and the busy stations, yeah. just helping to police things because... He was saying it like they don't need meal breaks. They don't need uh, paid time off. They don't need any of that stuff. It's cheaper than minimum wage. Yeah. And they can control volumes in this way with technology, right? It's very simple early stages. But I, I think as we continue to see no code AI and these technologies really evolve, it's then going into practical applications such as becoming cops and, and many other things that we're going to start yeah. seeing around the world. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some lots of training to be done. We saw how hard it was just to get self-driving cars where you're kind of in a contained scenario. We'll see. I'm really curious to see how search and usage of the internet changes with some of these technologies. I think something will change. I don't know how. I wish I did, but it, it will be interesting to see. Yeah, right, right there with you. All right, All right. next, talking Honeycode. So if you have been around in the no-code space for a little while, you've seen lots of no-code tools come and go. The latest to leave is now Amazon's Honeycode, which interestingly enough is being shut down next year's Leap Day, February 29th, 2024. They picked a very auspicious day to, to <laughs> you know, February 29th, not very often, but they're, they're shutting this down. It's hard to say exactly why this is shutting down. It seems like there was a pretty uh, small uptake by the Amazon customers. Obviously, Amazon and AWS, they're selling to IT professionals. They're selling to developers. They have this huge list of enterprise clients. 
they did not seem to have a very good time taking this up. Amazon's Honey Code was kind of their response to Glide. I'm interested to see when we talk to Glide later in, in the show, what they feel about why they may have shut down. But this was a spreadsheet-based application building system. So you could build it without using code, things that are aiming for spreadsheets first. Uh, interesting responses on Hacker News. When you, there's a whole thread on uh, Hacker News about this. Lots of people hating on no code, uh, like the coders saying, hey, yeah, obviously, you know, the citizen developer, you know, it's kind of this no man's land. It can't work. Other people saying, hey, this is one of the biggest problems with no code. You have platform lock. What happens if you build a business and build tools on something like Honeycode and then they shut down? This is in a big contrast to what Microsoft is talking about. Microsoft is doubling down. And JJ released a video uh, not that long ago talking about their power acts, talking about how AI is going to allow people to build apps through a conversation. Maybe Microsoft's user base is a bit more prosumer than Amazon's enterprises, but they seem to be doubling down when Honeycode couldn't make it work. So it'll be interesting to see how these big companies adopt um, no-code. We know Microsoft and Bubble are really close. Uh, maybe there's something to see there. They're learning something from Bubble. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting data point, nonetheless, what's happening with greater no yeah, I think that there's there's friction right now happening where these big companies, big technology providers, I think they understand that no code is the future here, right? But at the same time, they need people to engage in such. And that also means that these companies need to maybe train their employees that are not technical on things. And that takes time, resources, and, and you know money. And then at the same time, they have their developers, which they're used to having, right? that are kind of already trained on such and they don't want to detrain them or like maybe that's how they see it is, you know, not do this, but do a no code thing, you know, and get it there. Who knows? But what I'm thinking is, I think the hierarchy of these systems is you're so used to a traditional developer and then you have an, an just not developer, right? And as yeah. these no code tools continue to explore, now a lot of non-technical people can start to do this, but that wasn't in maybe their job description that, that's going to take time. That's going to take a learning program. It's going to take a long time for them to actually get onboarded yeah. to such. So it's a big investment in that sense because it's it's a new thing, right? So yes, it's going to save them time once they eventually onboarded to such. But I think it's facing the challenge right now is it's taking too long to get people onboarded to such. So they can't save yeah. that time and they just keep using their devs, right? Then at the same time, you have devs bashing no code for many reasons. Some of it good, some of it you know, right or wrong, whatnot. But it's just a weird time because technology is moving so fast. You can now do a lot of what you were doing with code with no code, but there are still some limitations, especially with these platforms that are popping up that might not be as versatile, right? And there's just so many different platforms. It's hard to choose which one you're really going to go in on and, and whatnot. So I think that's kind of what we saw with Amazon. In my interpretation of that is they have such a developer first community and developer-first communities, I think, are going to be the last to actually adapt to adopt to no-code technologies. And so when they pushed this to their tech programming community, no one really adopted in that way. And it took too long for non-technical people to adopt it. Yeah. I mean, all these tools have learning curves, right? The, one of the challenges of building these apps 
is the surface area they have to cover is so large. I mean, to build a really complex app, you need to be a professional in these applications, which if you need a business develop a business person who's not on the technical side, they need six months away from the job to learn the tool to make it useful in their job. But now they're so behind on the work they actually need to do in their description that it, it's kind of like a little bit of this cycle, which is, I think, why we end up seeing a lot of indie hackers doing this in their free time. We see a lot of entrepreneurs who are incentivized to learn and get stuff done and freelancers who are doing it for a living because they can become professionals. It's just a... a part of the the platform right that's what you have to do you have to learn yeah i think bubble is facing challenges like that themselves whereas the platform takes time to learn you know it takes a solid like three months of consistent effort to really kind of build something yep. for the first time it's not like an overnight thing and i think our generation is so used to being able to do stuff like that and now ai is kind of making that possible like the AI, AI stuff that Framer's yeah. doing, which is like build me a marketing website and literally build your marketing website. So that is starting to be a little bit more possible. But these more powerful, versatile tools such as Bubble, one of the more sophisticated no-code tools, it takes a long time to learn because there's so many different concepts. You got to learn how to build databases. You got to learn how to build UI. You got to learn how to build responsive UI. You got to learn how to build user flows and authentication, all this kind of stuff, which might seem like a lot and it kind of is. They do a really good job simplifying it, but still it takes yeah. time, you know? Yep. And I think you're essentially becoming a full stack developer by learning these things. And I think it's it's powerful because it's cutting that full stack ability from like a year learning curve or maybe two years to like three to six months, right? which is really powerful. And then the once you are actually up in, to speed, then it's so much faster to, to build with. But I think Bubble right now, you know, if you look at their website, they're like 3.5 million bubblers, which I don't believe, but <laughs> it, it, that's what they say. But I feel like there's maybe like 3 million of them stuck at that zero to one phase of just yeah. trying it out for the first time. They've heard so many good things about it, but not actually able to get past there. Right. And then very few in the in between. And then you have the pros like us. Right. And I, I think bubble is one of the more mature platforms with one of the most marketing budgets to spend. And maybe that's what we'll continue to see is, you know, people getting really stuck in those early stages of learning because it takes time and dedication to get there. Sure. Yeah, it definitely could, could happen. Yeah. And that's where AI comes in. And then if you just say, hey, write this rock, <laughs> and it all happens for you. Yeah. Um, what, what, leading into the next segment, one of the quotes from this Honeycomb article that came out on, on tech uh, was from the GM of this product saying, there's just more demand for some kind of custom application than there are developers to solve. And this is what we're going to see. And this is one of the values that we see in low code, which is really targeted more at a developer and helping them get their job done faster. Instead of the, the novice, the citizen developer going from zero to one, there are new low code tools like the one you found, JJ, BuildShip, you know, their low code tool. Tell us a little bit about that. What did you find? Yeah, I thought this one was really cool. And this is just one of the many tools that are, you know, kind of launching today. Uh, but this is a low code visual builder. And it's a really easy way to spin up back end tasks or APIs, scheduled jobs. You can integrate with uh, many different types of platforms and databases and essentially use AI by prompting to say, hey, 
build an API connection from SQL to Discord, something like that, yeah. right? And then set up logic for once that connection happens and then, you know, query this, get this, and then send it here kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's taking the whole writing code, connecting to APIs and creating all the functions behind it. It's kind of throwing that away and making a very visual first AI friendly way of saying, yeah. okay, this is what we need to do. Just throw in your API keys. And then visually you could drag and build this stuff to bring all these different providers together to create that technical flow that you need mm -hmm. almost in like a Zapier way, but in a more technological way that you kind of control more of. Yeah. It seems like they're targeting developers first, uh, helping them integrate a lot faster. And I think most developers, the thing they like about no code, even though some are very vocal against them, they like having these building blocks to start from and not do the repetitive nature of it, right? Imagine like a lawyer trying to draft a contract, you know, they start from a boilerplate first and then they fill in the unique aspects of it. I think we see that a lot in the low code world. It's about just starting from a more controlled space and not redoing things that are pretty, pretty standard. Yeah, so, it, it, yeah, it's all about that is stop reinventing the wheel, just connect to existing things that already exist, connect much faster, right? And then yeah. just solve your business problems. Like right now on internet sphere, I don't know if you feel it, but there's a lot of like SaaS boilerplates, templates being sold and sure. a lot of like things behind that. And they're like five or six different languages in a traditional stack coming together. And it's just like, here's the boilerplate that you need to build and spin up any kind of SaaS. And that's kind of no code in a way like bubble is that boilerplate, you know, like this is everything you need to spin up a SaaS. But those things are selling in that kind of way for traditional devs because you don't need to rebuild the framework every single time right. you build a company. You give me these, this starting point and then let me build from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's cool to build broad applications. One of the things that we wanted to touch on this week, we saw CrowdStrike, big internet security company, right? Talking about protecting their, their clients launched their own no code application builder, Falcon Foundry, right? A way for their users to build applications using their ecosystems, information data integration. That's a really interesting use of no code. Instead of just a broad, this is for anyone kind of application, the way this looks like is it's meant for users of CrowdStrike that solves the pain that CrowdStrike normally solves now, uh, but is actually kind of a bit more drag and droppy to build specific workflows and automation. George Kurtz, the co-founder and CEO, he emphasized the empowerment of organizations through Falcon Foundry, stating that it allows them to address problems creatively and automate tedious tasks. There's this automation word again. We heard this last week with Doc talking about automation. Uh, automation isn't always just email workflows, but it's about processing things, these things that are happening often and often that, that just keep running. We can build apps to automate. And that's a really cool use case uh, of them. Yeah, I mean, security is the backbone of everything that we need to do when we're building applications. And it's cool to see these enterprise folks that have a huge list of security things you can do now connected together in a no-code AI way to yeah. make it easier to access these enterprise things, but in a, a way that, you know, maybe if you don't need to spin up a whole enterprise team anymore, you just have, you know, maybe one developer now able to access these suite of tools to keep everything more safe. 
because of the power of no code and AI. Yeah. It, on the, in the tech Twitter sphere, uh, you hear a lot of people moaning about PMs recently, Airbnb talking about, I don't want to, we're not using PMs anymore. Linear is talking about their lack of PMs and this ability to move from the, the team doing the work and the decision maker, moving them together, building great software that understands the end, the use case. You know, no code, low code, this is a great place for that world to live where, you know, you need fewer steps between an idea and finished. You can test things easier and non-technical people can take the lead. And so it's, a, it's just an interesting concept. Completely agree. Why don't we get to Andy from Glide and Andy, welcome to the stage. Thank you for joining us. Much appreciated. I'm JJ. This is David, my co-host. Hey, Andy. How are you? Hey, guys. If you don't mind telling <laughs> something a little bit about you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hey, everyone. Sorry for the shaky cam here. <laughs> Running on Windows today instead of on my Mac as usual. So hi, I'm, I'm Andy. I look after community at Glide. And if you haven't heard of us, we're a no-code development platform for business apps. Fantastic. Absolutely. And you, who, are, who are your founders? <laughs> we have a, a group of founders who came in from Xamarin over at Microsoft to start Glide several years back. I, I can't <laughs> riff all the names off the, the top okay. of my head, but uh, David Siegel, our CEO, is one of the co-founders and oh, probably the most guy? public. Yeah, the, uh, the YC guy. The, the Glide went through YC. Glide, Glide is a YC alum, but David's the most visible of <laughs> the co-founders at events and, and speaking and such. Yeah, that, that's what I've seen as well. So this week in no code, we're open to all no code. We're teaching those that know no code and those that don't. So just tell us a little bit about Glide and when it what might make sense for you, you, your use case. Yeah, for sure. So Glide is really aimed at kind of like the, the stuff that I was doing before I joined Glide, which was you are doing a bunch of technical stuff within a company, trying to build these solutions kind of ad hoc. Uh, and there aren't a lot of great... Um, uh, tools out there for you to, to do that. And where we usually see people end up is they're using spreadsheets to do that. And spreadsheets can get you a, a certain part of the way there for organizing data. But as soon as you start needing to show different views of that data to people or build better interactions, custom interactions, more con things that you would expect in an app experience, uh, a spreadsheet is not going to do that for you. And that's where Glide really slides in. It's you need to build an internal tool to do something specific. Glide is a great choice for that. It's interesting, you know, a lot of no-code tools like to take this huge surface area approach, like mm -hmm. bubbles, like build anything. Um, and Glide has an opinion about kind of where the edge of things is. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Do you find, now that now managing the community, do you find it hard people like pitchforks out going like, I wish I could do this. And you're like, May, may not climb. I mean, it, it's always an interesting challenge whenever you're building any sort of product or platform. I was actually at GoDaddy for about seven years prior to uh, joining Glide. And so I saw this a lot and you would have different needs depending on who the user was, who the customer was, and what a, a small business, a local brick and mortar small business needs is going to be different from someone who's in professional services, going to be different from a developer, uh, from a designer. And you have to make some hard decisions sometimes about what it is that you're going to create. I think what we've been trying to do, especially over the past couple of years, is really hone in on what can we do really, really well 
that other platforms can't or aren't doing. And I think where we've really carved out a reputation for Glide is being the easiest way to start building with no code and the easiest way to get actual working solutions out the door. Now that's really appealing to people who want to go and be no code entrepreneurs, who want to start a business building digital products. And we saw a lot of that appeal early on because it was so easy to get started. Yeah. But it's the same pain that people find when they are working in a larger organization, trying to build something that they can start using and sharing with their team members, you know, within a day or two. So while the impression that you get of Glide is the same, how you cater to these two different audiences are very different. And it's that second audience that when we go back to the origin of Glide and where our founders came from, that's really what they set out to solve. Uh, and so that's, that's what we're building for. Yeah. Interesting. So would you say the community is mostly folks at companies with internal processes they're they're trying to fix? I'd say it's, it's right now it's a mix and we're at that inflection point where a lot of the early adopters of Glide and this amazing community that we have right now came from the kind of, kind of the, the, the much broader category of, I want to go and build software without writing code. Glide right. is the easiest way to do it. That's where we started. Where we're going is more towards the, I'm in a business, I'm trying to solve a specific problem, or I'm in an organization, and I, I know I need to build something, but I, I, I don't have the software skills or resources to do it myself. Even if I do, it's going to take me too long to do it the traditional way. So yeah, we're at that inflection point moving towards that. How long do you think the normal learning curve is? You come in, non-technical folk, you want to take a spreadsheet and put a visual layer on it. You know, what does that normally look like for a person starting for the first time? Honestly, it, uh, it depends on the person, but overall, I'd say it clicks within an hour. And depending on what their first impression was of how, how they got into Glide and, and some of the stuff that they may have looked at in the first place, they could get that down to like 30 minutes to have something out the door. That's one of the challenges that we're, we're trying to really crack right now, which is how do we make that even easier? So Glide is a lot easier than other platforms when it comes to building things, but how can we make it even easier than it is today? Because there, no matter what platform you look at, what tools out there, there's always going to be some sort of learning curve. And we want to make that learning curve as gentle as possible uh, so people can get to seeing impact and outcomes as quickly as possible. Yeah. That's interesting. It, yeah, we were just talking about that yeah. in our news segment a few minutes ago. We were talking about Honeycode shutting down. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they talk about and folks on Hacker News were talking about was how you have to spend so much time to learn the platform yeah. before you can actually make something useful. Yep. The news of Honeycode shutting down. Honeycode was similar, like a competitor to Glide. So is this good for Glide? Is this bad for the ecosystem what's your take on uh, my take on it is that it, we got to kind of step step back and we look at no code overall and all of the platforms that are out there this is a common pain point that every single vendor every platform is facing or, or is going to face when especially once you start trying to move beyond the people who already get it so i think what we see there is this is what happens when you can't quite crack that fast enough. Um, we've been very, I think, lucky, privileged, and also, you know, just ha having the, the great community that we have, that's really helped 
with help, uh, with getting people to understand how to use Glide and how to use the platform. But yeah, it, it's absolutely mission critical to make sure that people know when they come in, how, how do I get started and how do I get something out the door as quickly as possible? Nothing else matters if you can't solve that. Yeah. And, and what's like the power? First, is it mobile and desktop or is it mobile only? And then second, what is the power of something like this? Like if I was working at Microsoft and I wanted to push out this survey tool, whatever, to 100,000 employees. Yeah. Would I feel comfortable with something like that? Yes. Or? Yeah. It, <laughs> that's been really interesting too for Glide because we started with, if you go back, you know, a couple of years, it was, here's a way to build an, an app on top of Google Sheets. And then since then, we really snowballed into more data sources or not even needing external data sources, doing everything natively within Glide. And if you haven't kept up with all the work that we've been doing, especially this year, all the things that we've shipped, that might still be the first impression. And I see that a lot, especially on like no-code platform lists and, and stuff, where it's like, oh, Glide is a great way to build a mobile app. Well, yes, yeah. you can. It's a great way to build a, a web-native a web mobile app, but it's not just that. It's responsive. Your Glide app works across all devices, big screen, small screen. Uh, it, it's one progressive web app that works everywhere. And because it's a progressive web app, you can deploy it you know, in a click. In terms of the data and the capabilities, that's the other thing too. While, while we need to make Glide as easy as possible for people to start using, we also won't, don't want to hide the fact that Glide can be incredibly powerful. So when yeah. you start getting into the data sources that we work with, we launched a bunch of larger scale data sources this year. We're working on stuff with more queryable data sources as well. We just launched our API. call API. Yeah, yeah. The call API integration is now an open beta. That's a big one. That's yeah. a huge one. That's massive. So now we're massive. talking more about low code than just no code. Now yep. you're deconstructing JSON objects. Like there, there's so much more going on now. It was one of the bigger things for <laughs> Bubble and the capabilities of Bubble is having APIs and yeah. being able to connect everything. That opens up the whole world. And we have this. And so it becomes, how do we make this accessible without scaring away <laughs> people yeah. who are, aren't ready for that yet. So you come in and you're going to do something really simple, but then you can scale up and you can deal with the hundreds of thousands, millions of records and do your API calls to third-party services. If you want to continue using an integration platform like Zapier or Make, you can do that too. All of that flexibility is still there. And that's really the challenge that we're, we're tackling now, which is how do you present all of this in a way that's easy to understand yeah. and not overwhelming? I get that as a no-code educator. <laughs> I, I totally get that. I have been there. You know, when I used to teach my bubble boot camps, it was an eight-week course, and it was about like 30 hours. And by the end of it, they could build something basic, Yeah. right? But that's yep. 30 hours of work, and many people these days don't want to put in 30 hours. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. And I saw the same thing for, for over 10 years, I was doing stuff with WordPress. I was very actively involved in the WordPress community. And when you teach someone how to use WordPress for the first time, it's usually we're going to build a very basic informational site. We're going to do a blog. We're going to do a marketing site. And when people first see that, they think, oh, WordPress isn't powerful. But WordPress can do a lot more. Right. But if you try to get that in front of someone in the first day, they're just going to be scared because it's way too much. So same thing with Bubble. How do you strike that balance between easy to start but incredibly powerful and scalable. Yeah, I yeah. think one other thing that we battle, all no-code platforms battle, is once a company gets successful, and you might not face this as much because you might maybe more focus on internal tools, but once a company reaches success, they don't want to say what they're actually built with. 
right? And so because <laughs> there's no, most of the time it's not advantageous for them. So they might reach this level of success. They don't actually give you the credit that you may deserve to help them get there. And so then your successful use cases are like very small because they don't say that they're actually built on such things. Right, uh, right. So that's hard too. It's hard too. What I will, well, what I will say is that we're very close to Google. We started off building on top of Google Sheets as our primary data source. It was the data source in the beginning, yeah. uh, and we're still very close to Google. And you know, Google's infrastructure uh, means a lot to us, and it's very important to us. I think one of the challenges is that when you're in a space like ours, and you're a quickly growing technology company, and your platform's quickly evolving, uh, there's a lot of decisions that get made um, very quickly. And so what you might do one month compared to six months from now can change that roadmap. You know, the difference in roadmaps between a company of our size and a company that's much larger, it, it's, it's huge. It's a huge difference. Um, like, like GoDaddy, for example, much larger company. Um, yeah. And so you have to be careful about like the things that you might be doing right now may not be the things that you're doing in a year. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of things that just came out, let's talk about the AI functions that just got announced. Yeah, happy to. Tell us about those. Yeah, so we've been noodling on AI for a while. And we started doing some research into AI a couple of years back, a few years back, I think that was our earliest research. And what we were looking at at the time was how could AI make it easier to use Glide? But... As we started going more into it, and then this year we really turned our focus to power, we started thinking about AI through that lens. It was like, how do we use AI to make Glide even more powerful? And so we, we hit on this notion that AI should be a, a, a building block in the same way that we make conditional logic accessible through actions and, and workflows or dealing with relational databases through the data editor. How do we fit? AI into that model. So that's what we're doing with Glide AI. It's in beta right now, open beta, and it is a set of native AI capabilities built into Glide. So you have AI columns within the data editor, you have AI actions within the actions editor, and then using those pieces, you can present AI generated results and a whole bunch more through the custom layouts that you built. So that, that's really the way we've been approaching it. And we are seeing some amazing reactions and some really cool stuff getting built based on that. So one thing kind of anecdotally that I saw earlier this year, other platforms when they were introducing AI capabilities, a lot of it was we're reskinning like a chat GPT uh, interface. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we had open AI capabilities were part of our integrations that we rolled out earlier this year, and they were incredibly popular. But we think that AI, the implication of AI can be so much more than just that. So much more than just like putting in a prompt and getting a response. And so that's that's how we're uh, treating it in Glide. Building blocks. Yeah. So essentially, the moment you can put in a prompt, it will kind of suggest the database structure for you. And then it's going to, if that you can adjust that database structure, so be it. And then you can kind of move on and create demo data for you. And then from there, you can also move into the user interface part of it, where it suggests a visual interface for you as well. You, you could, you could. Where we're seeing it is more that, let's say you have an existing data set, right? Yep. Maybe it's native to Glide or it's in Google Sheets or Excel okay. or something else. 
and you want to work with the values that you have in that database in AI. So yep. maybe you want to combine those values into a prompt to generate a result, and then you're going to use that result in your app. Or maybe it's you have, but you want to capture the, the audio recording from someone using an app and then transcribe it on the fly and then save those values into a data set. And we're giving you the pieces that you need to create these AI solutions. And so, yeah, that's where we're at right now. That's very cool. So mobile and web, mm -hmm. powerful. It has an internal data structure where you can save your own databases, yes. but you can also outsource to other databases. If you exactly. Need. Exactly. So are you full stack then? I like to think so. <laughs> I, I think we'd end up into arguments about what qualifies as full stack. But if you're not familiar with Glide, it, it really comes down to like three major parts. You have your data. Yeah. It could be a, a native data. So Glide tables is our native data structure. It could be external data source like Excel or Sheet or Airtable. It could be BigQuery. And even more now that you have API connections. <laughs> exactly. To like Zeno and a super. Yeah, you want to start connecting to other data sources. Yeah. Like just start doing that now too with our yeah. API uh, capabilities. So, so like there, there's the data piece, right? Yeah. Next piece is layout. So your usual visual builder, sure. right? Conditional appearance of containers and components, all that fun stuff. And then actions. Yeah. Gets into your conditional workflows. User hits a button, do this thing, else do this other thing. And, and so when we look at all the, the features and, and capabilities that we continue to develop and roll out, they live in one of these areas. And then on top of that, you have the layer of settings, permissions, who has access to what, all that fun stuff at the, at the app level. Yeah. So like something like signing a user up, you know, in Bubble, it's really easy. It's just one action. You, you know, you capture the inputs of the email and the password, and then yep. you take it and you sign the user up. Is it similar to that? Even easier. Things like that where it's, let's say a user wants to request access. We have that configured natively. There's nothing that you need to build. It's just a setting that you change and sharing and permissions. If you want to get more granular about if a user has, or a, let's say assigning roles, yeah. you can set those values in the, the user's table. You can create actions bound to that. You can make uh, layouts and components down to that as well. If there's a bunch of other stuff that you can do. But yes, we try to take care of those, those common things yeah. on our end so you don't need to think about it. The same thing with design. One of the other perks of Glide is that all of the components, layouts, everything is basically pre-designed. Okay. And we give you options to tweak those designs to, to fit your brand. And we're, and we're introducing, we're, we're looking at extending that even further, but we're always going to be very opinionated about this is what an app should look like. Yeah. What about, you know, when you first started, you said, well, when you first joined, you said an internal tool. Is that like your primary use case or is that what you're aiming for? Or what about that? Is like that your main goal at Glide is internal tools or do you want? It's where we see the most success. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of folks that use Glide because they want to build a proof of concept, maybe an MVP for something. That's yeah. great. Absolutely. Do that. Um, but in terms of folks who get their apps out into the wild, they start getting users and the, the apps are actually being used. Uh, it's internal solutions. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, we see, and we saw that with Doc talking about automation of internal tools. It's about like making everyone's jobs easier as yeah. this huge opportunity because everyone's jobs are precious. People are doing more with less, you know, it's not as easy to get funding for companies anymore. So it's not just a hiring bonanza. Yep. And so now people are like, okay, great. Like we can't just throw bodies at the problem. We have to 
figure it out ourselves. Exactly. And it's true across the entire org structure, right? Like the team you have and the time you have, those are your most precious resources. So if you can create things quickly that allow you to protect those two assets, like that, that's the way we need to go. So that's yeah. what we're trying to do. Yeah. And we, and it's also part of the job of satisfaction. Yes. Like yes. Just employee retention is making people not do what they hate doing all the time, <laughs> right? They exactly. Right? They built the thing or you get, someone gets this app built and now this job is less. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge reason or one of the big reasons behind why we're so opinionated about design because you could build something functional, but if it looks like a dog's breakfast and your users don't want to use it, you're not yeah. going to see the results you need because your end users don't want to use the app because it's frustrating. Like in an enterprise organization, a much bigger company, you can be pretty, uh, you know, crack down and force people to use whatever tool you put in front of them. But it's so much better when you can create something that they that actually great. want to use, right? Yeah. So that, yeah, that's why we're so opinionated about design. You probably learned a little bit from Bubble in that side in the sense of like Bubble has no opinions on design. And, <laughs> and a lot of first-time people building non-technical founders they don't know how to build design and they don't know how to build dev and so yep. it's hard learning both so you're you're kind of saying here's good design already let's just decrease that learning curve give you a good design and then show you the logic to get going exactly if anyone's ever who's watching this has ever tried to get into doing like actual development you're doing front-end development full stack whatever setting up your dev environments just dealing with the devops stuff is a pain like you haven't even gotten to writing the code for the thing you want to build yet you're just trying to set up your environment and that's going to take you half a day the yeah. stack the dependencies all of all of that and then you build something now you need to worry about ui and ux and, yeah. and that front-end performance it is so much so much when all you're trying to do in, in many cases is create a better way for someone to capture information or take an action complete a process yeah, you don't need to deal with all of that, and with yeah. Glide, like we're trying to deal with all of that for you, so you don't have to worry about it. Love it. That's great. As we work to wrap up here, I would love to know, like, how big is the community and and your company, and then maybe one little word to our audience of why they should give Glide a try. Well, I'd I'd say uh, team wise, I have lost track because we've grown a lot this year. I'm not. I That's think exciting. we're over 50, 50 folks now. Right. Thank you. It's significantly bigger than when I joined last year. So that's amazing. Community-wise, I think the last time I looked, 30, 40,000 active gliders awesome. in the community wow. across all our channels. And we have an amazing community of YouTubers doing glide tutorials and cool. sharing resources. Uh, shout out to Bob Petito for all the uh, stuff he does. Yeah, Bob, Bob's killing it. Um, doing a lot of great stuff there. And then kind of final thought, why should you use Glide? So why not? It's just, it's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy. Sign up for free. It'll take you 30 seconds. Jump in, play around with it. Like there's so much you can do just on a free plan without paying a cent. Give it a try. Yeah, that's awesome. Andy, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to tell thank us more about so Glide. I'm sure our audience will love it. We'll make sure to put some get started information in the links in our description on the video and the podcast. Otherwise, Andy, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Whew, I didn't know Glide is full stack like that. Yeah. I, I thought you still needed a data infrastructure behind it. 
and I also had the stigma of mobile only. Yeah. So Andy, thank you for kind of clarifying all that stuff for me. It's exciting to see another kind of full stack no code builder in that way. Now with the capabilities of APIs and AI, you can take this further, right? And so I think that's the big thing is like, you want to be able to get started right away, right? Mm -hmm. But then also yep. if it is successful, you want to be able to grow and scale it. And you want to be able to have an ecosystem to like support that and not have to bounce, right? And I think that's kind of where Glide is like straddling is like, we got to get started ASAP. But also we now see that we have customers that are finding success and now they need us to grow, grow with us, right? Yeah. And now we need to be more powerful. Well, I love that it is meant for someone to just jump right in and build something and just give someone that confidence that they can be a developer and build something themselves. Yeah, that's a great and, point. You know, lots of people might complain about the degrees of freedom on the design or this, that you can't, you can't do this, or maybe it's limited here. Yeah. But for people getting started, those degrees, like limiting that, locking it down and building the right guardrails, get something out the door which gives people that feeling of I can go build my app idea, whether it's on Glide or something else, they're now building the no-code ecosystem, right? And so they are able to expand. And we want and we want more people coming into the no-code, low-code world and building successful things and you know, feeling empowered to take control of their life. You know, a tool like Glide really helps. You're doing it at work, all the company's time, learning a new skill, building something cool. It's it's really great. I love it. I I love that we have more no code players like that, full stack capabilities, moving towards more powerful integrations. I love. I think it's so funny. Can we we kind of hopped right into that conversation that we were having earlier, which is it takes time to get onboarded, right? Yeah. And now all we're seeing these companies like figure out, try to figure out. How can we get them going literally right away? Because that's what people want, right? But it's hard because it's hard, complicated technology. But how do we simplify it to the point where we can get started in the first 30 minutes, but then also still make it advanced and technical enough for those that want to go really far with it to find success with it going that way? Yeah, I definitely feel like at some point, everyone expands and keeps growing. But when you get to you know, maybe past the edge of what Glide can do or past, you know, the next tool that someone might work on, even when they want to hire developers at some point in the future, maybe they never get to that point because they can find a solution in the ecosystem, but it's not as risky for them because they already have users using a tool, doing everything they need. It's a validated idea and that's just great. Good for everyone. Yeah. So I guys, I think that just about does it for this episode of This Week in No Code. We had a jam-packed episode talking about ChatGPT and Glide and CrowdStrike and so much other things. As always, um, if you guys want to participate in This Week in No Code, please send us a DM or a LinkedIn or a YouTube message of any updates that are happening on your side if you launched a new code application, if you have questions that you want us to answer. Also, we're available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, YouTube please leave us a review. The reviews really help us. Yep. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please just take a couple seconds to leave a review. And if you want to DM me that review, I will send you something special in return. All right. So I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, but it will be worth your time. Either way, we really appreciate your support for watching this episode. So David, signing off for This Week in No Code, and we will see you next week in No Code.